What's up, ladies and gentlemen? The Podfather Nate here from the Journey into Comics podcast, the flagship show of the Journey into Comics network. I just want to make sure you guys know you can tune in every single Monday for a brand new episode of our show, where if it's comic book related, we've got you covered. The following, following. the following is a journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. To a nicer guy, it couldn't happen. I'm the man of the hour. The man with the power. Diamonds are forever. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. Then what you gonna do, Andre? History beckons the macho man. Yeah. The best there is. The best there was. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Two words for ya. Two words. Pick us up, The champ is here. Do I have everybody's attention now? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to season three, episode five of Journey into Wrestling. I am your host, Nate. And thank goodness we didn't all get out of bed super early Saturday to watch the WWE Super Showdown. This week it is episode 5 as I said, so we're just going to get right into some wrestling talk. The Super Showdown just happened yesterday if you're listening to this on release day. And I want to discuss this because first of all, if you wanted to watch it in real time, you had to be up at 4am Central Time, 5am Eastern, to watch it air as it was airing in Australia. Uh, I did not do this. I opted to wait and get up a little bit later in my day and watch it when I was good and ready to watch it. And I watched it over a little, you know, a couple little settings here and there. Had some other stuff to do today. And took some notes, have some thoughts, and here we go. Uh, first match on the card was The Bar versus The New Day. I thought this was a fantastic tag team match. A great way to kick off the energy of something like the Super Showdown. Uh, I thought that it wasn't the best performance the Bar versus the New Day have ever had uh, against each other. I do believe that uh, overall it was about a 3.25 star match, in my opinion, and who knows what that means. But, you know, it's interesting because you got the New Day and they're fantastic, and you have the Bar and they're also fantastic. But honestly, you really want to set the tone in Australia. The first thing you do is actually have the New Day lose, I think. Uh, That is not the case. That's not how it goes down. Xavier Woods and Kofi securing a pinfall and winning against the bar. Like I said, I call this about a 3.25 on the overall match. It was really good. Uh, I I do like it. You know, I do like the the way that the New Day uses the Freebird rules. You know, not a lot of teams can do the three-man team thing and pull it off nicely. You look at a team like the Shield, and we're going to get into the Shield in a little bit. They are a different breed. They aren't even like the New Day, and they're a three-man team. So, And then you look at like the Dogs of War, and they have their own unique traits and whatnot. So uh, moving on from the Bar and the New Day match, up next we had a highly anticipated match, which I thought uh, ended maybe not how I would have ended it. Uh, Charlotte versus Becky Lynch for that SmackDown Women's Championship uh, Charlotte and Becky go back and forth, have one hell of a battle with each other, a uh, couple close finishes, uh, only a 10-minute match here, however, uh, just when you think Charlotte's going to pull out the victory, she's got the figure eight locked in on Becky Lynch, 
Becky pulls some shit and gets herself disqualified to remain the champion, giving Charlotte the win, the quote-unquote disqualification win in Melbourne, Australia. I thought this match was a four-star match, really. Uh, Honestly, I think that Charlotte and Becky Lynch are premier in the women's division. I don't think that... It's weird to say this, but it's like... Ronda Rousey gets lost in the shuffle, and she's the Raw Women's Champion because what they're doing on SmackDown with Becky and Charlotte, it eclipses everything else. I think that's one thing to say when you look at the rosters. Uh, the better stories are being told on SmackDown, honestly, that's, and that's just my humble opinion. So this match is over. Up next, we have Elias and Kevin Owens taking on Bob Lashley and John Cena now. Can I just say something? Let's just get into this real quick, because I don't know about y'all. First of all, you know what I forgot to say? It's Sunday, by the way. Welcome to Journey into Wrestling on a Sunday. This is our new release day. You will now be hearing us every Sunday for a while. I think sometime in January we may switch back to Wednesday, but this is essentially our pivot point day where we're going to be featured now. Uh, a lot of times that's going to mean that I'm going to be able to be giving you guys teasers and whatnot of what's to come. And that's exciting. So back to it. Elias KO, Bob Lashley, John Cena. John Cena, what the fuck? I know you're doing a movie, buddy, but your hair looks ridiculous. I am sitting there going, is that John Bradshaw Cena? Like, he looks kind of like, he had kind of like the JBL look going on with his hair, honestly, you know? And then, of course, now I have JBL's theme stuck in my head. Okay, anyways, so I, I, you know, I didn't hate John John Bradshaw Layfield. I thought he was a great heel and an amazing SmackDown, uh, SmackDown champion. I lost my water. I know it's, we're only like five minutes into the podcast, but this water break, as always, brought to you by this week's episode of Poor Entertainment. Check it out every other Tuesday on the Journey into Comics Network. You get Poor Entertainment, and we're going to continue on with talking about the Bob Lashley Elias KO match after this drink. Water's goddamn refreshing. I mean, that's like obvious. Like That's maybe one of the most obvious things I've ever said as a human person, but... It's true. It's it's fucking refreshing. I love it. It's great. Uh, so let's go on now then. We have Bobby Lashley and John Cena taking on Elias and KO. Short match. Not really memorable. It's Bob Lashley and John Cena, and I'm not really fans of either of them. Bobby Lashley has never impressed me as a professional wrestler, ever. He didn't impress me or make me believe in him as an MMA fighter either. So... Hard sell and a hard pass on Bobby Lashley. He's not he's not my cup of tea. It's really sad to see Elias and KO booked in this match. Like, sure, maybe it's supposed to make them look good because it's high-profile names. Oh, you're up against two former champions, and there's, you know, KO is a fucking universal champion who deserves to still have the title. Uh, and, I, and I digress there. But honestly, this match was bland. I did not like it. The finish was meh, okay. I'm giving it 2.5 stars. Throw it in, chuck it in the bin. You know, a match that went 10 minutes, it went entirely 10 minutes too long. Shouldn't have been on the card at all. 
up next on the card, we've got the Iconics versus Asuka and Naomi. And, ooh. Uh, it's weird because Peyton Royce and uh, Billy Kay have actually been impressing me consistently since they showed up uh, in NXT. And then once they transitioned to the main roster, they've just continued to improve. And it's all about improvement for me. Like, at the end of the day, that's the thing that matters most. So, <clears throat> the thing that bothers me, and I really don't get it, and maybe someone somewhere, somehow, some way, can, can clue me into what I'm missing. But how do you go to your home country and have such a fucking bland potato salad of a match? I mean... <clears throat> Eh. The the ending's bland. The match is bland. It only goes five minutes. It's the shortest. It's the second shortest match in the card. We're going to get to the shortest match here in a few minutes. And it'll probably be the one that we talk the most about because the implications on the other side of this. So Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, to no surprise, defeat... Well, it's actually kind of bullshit, but to no surprise, defeat Asuka and Naomi. Asuka does not take the pin. I do believe Naomi took the pin here. And again... Bomb City USA. This was very boring. The worst match of the night, easily, in my opinion. I'm giving this a two stars. Thumbs way down. Uh, I think you fucking missed the mark hardcore. You had Asuka on this card. You have Ronda Rousey on this card. You have uh, Ruby Riot on this card. You have Naomi on this card, but you're missing so many of the... Oh, Charlotte and Becky Lynch, obviously, on the card. But you miss so many women that could have been in dope matches or been put in better situations than the fucking Iconics versus Naomi and Asuka. What the fuck is this going on? I don't understand it. Up next, let's talk about it. To go from the worst match of the night, they knew it was a real stinker. Because right after it, they put what I think could possibly be the best match of the night. We'll see. We'll talk about it. AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe. Now, this has been mainly a mental warfare game between the two of them for a while now. And, you know, it's funny because you look at Joe and AJ's history and, and, and TNA, ROH, all the places. And... It doesn't get worse. It keeps getting better for different reasons, though, because it's like their history, you know, knowing their genuine history makes it for me even more. And I met both these men and they're very nice, kind, gentle dudes. And I think that I don't know if this was the best decision for them to make. I'm not I don't really want to question the the way it all went down. However, I guess I will a little bit because AJ Styles defeats Samoa Joe by submission here. Has him in the calf crusher. Joe almost going for the ropes. Doesn't quite get it. Had, you know, lots of extracurricular activities during the match. Because there's no countouts, there is no disqualification. There must be a winner. Uh, ultimately, AJ wins. Now, this is awesome. If AJ wins and something else happens later, and we've talked about this on the show before. However... It's less awesome because it gives us the best matchup. Ultimately, we get like the 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 matchup maybe everybody wants to see the most. It is something argued to say. Uh, but I don't think that the result is any different. So let's go back to the Samoa Joe AJ Styles match. I think Joe should have won this match. Uh, mainly because it sets 
you to have a top heel on SmackDown when you have a top face on Raw. And that gives you a little bit of counterbalance. You're not the same product, kind of. Because you're always going to draw comparisons to the Raw brand and the SmackDown brand and how they do things, right? So I think Joe should have, you know, maybe was he was going for the tap out. He instead, he, he fucking can get a quick poke in the eyes or something and reverse AJ, pull him into the Kukukina clutch, and then call it a match. Would have been great, right? And the implications for that get set up later. But we get AJ, and AJ is going to set up some cool shit in a minute. I think this was easily the best match of the night. I'm going to give it a 4.5 stars. I believe that both these men do fantastic work together. They've been telling an amazing story. Uh, I love... I, it's weird because it's... You know, a lot of times people go, Oh, God, it gets ridiculous when it's so personal and you involve the wrestlers' families and shit. And it's like, you know, behind the scenes, Samoa Joe and AJ are really close. They're, they are actually good friends, so... <clears throat> him playing that role of bad guy towards the family, like, they don't feel that threat or that actual danger. You know, you have to think about it a little more logically when you're uh, when you're a smart, as it were. Uh, but let's move on to another match on the evening, which wasn't bad. We got the Riot Squad, that's Liv Morgan, Ruby Riot, and Sarah Logan, uh, facing off against the Bellas and Ronda Rousey. What do I think about this? Implications, so on and so forth. Match was decent. Uh, lots of back and forth. Lots of aggression from Ruby. I love Liv Morgan getting in there. Liv got a, 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 a solid... She landed an, a solid kick on fucking Brie Bella, and it was kind of like, a, that's your fucking payback. Don't ever kick me in the fucking temple again. Because I don't know if you guys know this. A couple weeks ago on Raw, Liv Morgan got knocked the fuck out, essentially, by Brie Bella because Brie kicked her in the temple and she just fucking crumpled to the mat like fucking a crumpled up potato chip bag. She just, you know, it's done. It's game over. So the Riot Squad and the the team of the Bella, the Bellas and Ronda, uh, you know, this match is awesome. Uh, ultimately, Ronda puts a double arm bar on uh, Sarah Logan and or Sarah Logan and Liv Morgan, yeah. And uh, that was interesting how she did it, and they both tapped kind of immediately, and the match is over. And I'm sitting there going, okay, you have a pay-per-view coming up, WWF, E-W-W-E, sorry. You have a pay-per-view coming up, and that pay-per-view, right, uh, is Evolution, WWE Evolution. It's all-women's pay-per-view. And on this all-women's pay-per-view, you have... Uh, your champion, Ronda Rousey, allegedly scheduled to face off against who the fuck knows, but more logistically, everybody is almost 110% certain it's going to be Nikki Bella, right? It's just a high draw, high interest match, just putting her in that mix. Right now, I'm expecting uh, Nikki Bella to just fucking blast Ronda in the back of her head, and hold up the fucking women's title. And Brie just kind of is like looking in shock like, oh shit, sis is fucking pissed. Uh, that did not happen. They celebrated together, and they leave together, and that's it. And we don't know who Ronda's going to officially face at Evolution, but you know it's going to be Nikki. Are they trying to set this up for Raw on Monday? 
I just think you should have pulled the trigger at a big event. You got to remember, it's like, I get it. You want to spread the story out throughout your different events, but you need to make memorable pay-per-view moments that make people go, oh man, do you remember back at fucking Super Showdown when Ronda Rousey was holding the title up and Nikki betrayed her and then now Nikki's champ and fucking Ronda's in the dumps? Like, that's crazy. And we could be reminiscing about this thing that didn't happen. And it didn't happen. Ultimately, I think the match was 3.25 stars. Decent. Let's move on from it. Cedric Alexander facing Buddy Murphy for your WWE Cruiserweight Championship in a singles match. Hell of a match. Buddy Murphy from Melbourne, Australia, the hometown boy. And this is how you do it right, right? I Like I said, the Iconics winning, eh, not so much. Buddy Murphy in this match and how he won and how it was a fucking back and forth trading uh, possible false finishes. Lots of really high intensity spots that weren't necessarily high spots, but well-timed spots, I guess you could say. Uh, Ultimately, I thought this was a great play. Buddy Murphy wins in the end, gets his hand raised in his home country with the championship that cruiserweight title has more value now. It's made. You're going to look at that cruiserweight title and you think of the lineage and you don't have to think, man, Enzo Amore was the fucking champ. That was an interesting time. Or, oh shit, you know, remember that one time when uh, when Neville walked out on the company? Holy fuck. You know, shit like that. Like, you can think, like, man, Buddy Murphy, that's awesome. That was a great professional wrestling moment. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's with Alexa Bliss, so that was probably cool for her to experience as well. Uh, up next, a six-man tag team. Oh, oh, hey, by the way, uh, Cedric and Buddy Murphy, four-star match. Very good. Like I said, lots of great spots. If you haven't yet seen the Super Showdown, please. Like, I don't know why you're listening to my podcast. I love that you're listening. Thank you. Uh, and special shout-out to you, Casey Taylor, for checking out the podcast. Appreciate you, bro. Uh, check out North and Pub in Lafayette, you guys. It's a great place to get yourself drunk. All, well, and don't be a belligerent asshole either because they'll kick you out. But, uh, you know, it's just, uh, we just get into these things, you know. So let's continue on down the list. The Shield def- uh, going up against the Dogs of War, D-O-W. That's Braun Strowman, Dolph Ziggler, and Drew McIntyre affectionately, I think they should be called something else. I was actually saying this uh, just the other day. Uh, so if you, okay, so you have Dolph Ziggler, or no, 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 sorry, fuck that up. You have Drew McIntyre, so there's your D. Braun Strowman, B, and your Dolph Ziggler, Z. So why don't they just call The Shield versus Team DBZ? I mean, I know they're not Dragon Ball Z, but you get me. I, I think that's clever, right? It's not clever. I didn't think it was fucking clever, you guys. It just came to me, okay? And I'm sitting here, and I had a thought. It's one of those things that happens sometimes when you're on a podcast. You have a really strange thought, and you just get it out there. Because who knows? What if I didn't write this down? Maybe no one ever heard the thought. First of all, S.H.I.E.L.D. versus the Dogs of War. I love this match because there's... Seemingly high stakes, you've got your IC champ in there, you have your uh, Universal champ in there, and it's really awesome because you had this kind of tension the whole match. Is Dean Ambrose going to turn, 
What happens if, say, Dolph Ziggler or Drew McIntyre turn? People have said there's possibility the Shield will become four. That would be mind-blowing. That's not the case. So this match, again, there was, there was a moment, and I specifically want to talk about this. So the match started off, and essentially you had Ambrose and Reigns get taken out by the Dogs of War. They fucked them up, right? And then, so it's just Seth Rollins up against the Dogs of War, and they're just working him, like classic tag team style, just working him, tag, working him, tag, or back and forth, back and forth. Ultimately, Roman gets going, and there's some back and forth, and then Dean gets going again, there's some back and forth. Roman accidentally Superman punches Dean, and everyone's like, oh, fuck, there's the dissolution of the shield again. You can't have too much of a good thing for too long, because we'll just end it anyways. It's done. And uh, it was there's a really fucking cool spot, and I love this. So you had Seth and Roman in the middle of the ring. And you had Braun in front of them, Drew to the right, and Dolph to the left. And behind them is Dean. And Dean's kind of almost eyeing him up like, I'm about to beat your motherfucking asses right now. And I'm crazy enough to do it right now. And damn it, Roman Reigns, why the fuck did you punch me in the face? That hurt so bad, you bastard motherfucker. The language today, man, I don't know why. For some reason, I'm just resorting to the most vile language to discuss professional wrestling. But sometimes that's where my brain goes. I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, great match. Ultimately, uh, to go back to that spot, Dean goes through his brothers and uh, leg drops Braun Strowman and then does a cool dive to the outside through the middle rope suicide dive style because that's okay to do. Uh, ultimately, the Shield pick up the victory. A couple interesting false finishes here you had. Uh, all I remember is is that Drew got sweet chin music down by Seth. Seth got sweet chin music by Ziggler. Ziggler turned around to get the uh, dirty deeds by Ambrose. Ambrose got the pin and the win. And, of course, the shield sticks their hands in, and it's a great moment. And It was awesome. It was, it was great. Uh, this was a very good match. I was very happy with it. Uh, I will give it a 4.25. I do believe it was one of the few cards that was 100% perfectly primed where it needed to go uh, on this card for how the crowd response was because the, they were definitely like already on the high from the Buddy Murphy-Cedric Alexander uh, match, and they were wanting more, so you have to kind of lead them out the door, right? Uh, up next, after that six-man tag match, we had DB, the Daniel Bryan, versus The Miz. Singles match determined the number one contender for the SmackDown and WWE Championship. Uh, I thought this match was very interesting. It's a very short match. only goes 2 minutes, 45 seconds. There's not a lot of crazy action, not a lot of stuff that happened, Okay. It's a couple false finishes real quick. couple thoughts on the finishers real quick. Boom, Miz is going for the skull-crushing finale. It's turned into a pinning submission, or into a pinning move. Uh, it's turned into a pin, and a, not really quick, but a consistent one, two, three from Charles Robinson uh, gives Daniel Bryan the win to become the number one contender. And, man, the implications from this match. So now we know Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles at WWE Crown Jewel 
will be taking place. Uh, that match will be happening very shortly, and we're going to be talking about that soon in a few short minutes here. But it's interesting because the AJ Styles-Daniel Bryan matchup, I believe they had some matches in ROH, uh, and uh, they're talked about to this day. So to see them go toe-to-toe for the big prize in the WWE is going to be very interesting. And uh, both those guys are good guys right now, though. So is it a is it just a tale of it doesn't fucking matter if you've got two heroes? Because that's not typically WWE's MO. You've got to have a guy to cheer for, and you have to have a guy to boo. And uh, I don't think that Daniel Bryan is the guy to boo. I also don't think AJ Styles is the guy to boo. Right now, they're on a different trend. Uh, right now, I see one of two things happening. I see Samoa Joe out of fucking nowhere, like on Raw or on like on SmackDown this week, winning the title in some random rematch. Okay, or I see the Miz sneak attacking and beating the shit out of Daniel Bryan to replace him as number one contender, or asking for a rematch and maybe some different circumstances happen, and then it's like now it's Daniel Bryan versus the Miz versus AJ. For the title, oh, versus Samoa Joe, fatal four-way out of nowhere, you know. There's a lot of ways this could go down. But like I said, the implications from that AJ-Samoa Joe match really affect what I thought about the Daniel Bryan-Miz match. Because the Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles matchup is great. Samoa Joe and Miz would have been great. Samoa Joe-Daniel Bryan would have been great. AJ-Miz would have tore the house down. It's arguably one of the best matchups. But I think that ultimately AJ-DB is the best matchup. Uh, I just don't know where they go with the story, and I guess we're going to just have to be along for the ride to find out. Let's go on to the final match. Oh, oh, 3.75 for that Ms. Daniel Bryan match. Let's not forget to give them a rating there. Uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Well, Triple H with Shawn Michaels uh, up against The Undertaker with Kane. No disqualification match. Match goes 27 minutes. The last match of the night. A sprinkle of Attitude Era nostalgia here. It didn't hit me in the cockles of my heart like I wanted it to. It was good. It was definitely good. There were some interesting spots. Uh, I want to mention that the match itself was okay. Uh, It was kind of the same shit they've all been doing to each other any other time there's a match. Triple H has shenanigans. Triple H tries to use the sledgehammer. Uh, Shawn Michaels has a change of heart, tries to be the good guy, fucking sweet chin music, somebody in the face anyways, like, it's old hat, we've seen it, we've seen it done time and time and time again and time again. So, the match itself, Triple H vs. Undertaker, give it to three stars, okay, it was, it was, it was okay. And for that to be the last match of the night, is like, damn, you kind of end on a low note there, you guys. And so I'm watching, and I'm watching, and I'm watching, and Triple H goes over and extends his hand to Undertaker, and I was like, oh, wow, this is... Like, they're going to really do this here. Even though they did it once before at WrestleMania 28 at the end of an era. Which, the word end, the word last. But they're not the end or the last. The end of an era. The fuck does that mean? Are you just saying that those two can never wrestle in Hell in a Cell again? Obviously, they're too fucking old. The last time ever? Do you mean the last time ever that they'll face off one-on-one? But now we're going to put them in 54 different kinds of tag team matches together. Like, this is my issue with this, is that you hyped it as the last time ever. You give Triple H Shawn Michaels. You give Taker Kane. It definitely has that old school DX Brothers of the Destruction kind of vibe. 
think Attitude Era 2001-ish, you know, 2000, even though I know that DX was long gone by then. Uh, but I digress. This match falls short. Triple H goes over, extends the hand. They hug it out. They all raise their hands together. And I was like, oh, this is a beautiful moment. It's like curtain call. It's like curtain call too, you guys. Like they caved their kayfabe, right? They, they broke kayfabe and they're all raising each other's hands and saying, look at us. We're, we've been at the top of the mountain for 20 some years and this is the last time we're going to do something like that. And then boom, God damn it, out of nowhere. Undertaker, fl- oh, by the way, uh, Undertaker lost to Triple H. Uh, but again, shenanigans, Triple H hit him with a fucking sledgehammer when he had Shawn Michaels up for the tombstone. Uh, so Triple H, they all raise their hands, and Taker just grabs Triple H, flips him around, hits him with a fucking tombstone. Kane hit the meanest-looking clothesline on Shawn Michaels, and I think... I don't know if Sean's arm was already busted open or if his mouth was cut open, but I thought I saw blood explode somehow, whether uh, Shawn Michaels spit a little blood or or whatnot. Um, So for that moment, the the fact that now it's it's not over, it's like you've essentially really reignited the the fire and now there's there's a war that's going to be happening. Uh, I gave it an additional one star for that ending, so it was like a four-star thing. So overall here we had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 matches. Let's see, 4. Uh, I'm doing some quick math here because I'm going to try to give you guys like an aggregate score. So we have 6.25, uh, 16 and, uh, you'd think somebody who did math for a living, I'd be faster at this, but I'm not, uh, so 16 is 19.25, that's 23.25, that's 27.50, that's, uh, 31.50, 31.50, 35, 25, 35.25 means this overall aggregate score, if we were to average everything out, this card was about middle of the pack, 3.25-ish, 3.5-ish. Uh, it wasn't spectacular. It wasn't awful. There were some high spots. There were some low spots. The highs and lows of pro wrestling, I guess, is what we're going to call them uh, today. We're going to move on here from the Super Showdown, talk about what is coming up next, which is going to be... B WWE Evolution, folks. And we have uh, not a whole hell of a lot more than what we filled in last time. We've filled some things out, but we've not filled everything out. Ronda Rousey, like I said, she's defending her title against To Be Determined. TBA, or To Be Announced, has lots and lots of spots on this uh, on this card. Uh, because Ronda Rousey is facing TBA... TBA as champion versus TBA as opponent for the SmackDown Women's Champion. We're not sure who's going to be there. Kyrie Sane versus Shayna Baszler, a singles match for the NXT Women's Championship. TBA champion versus TBA opponent. NXT UK Women's Championship match. Uh, Lo Shirai versus Tony Storm, the Mae Young Classic Tournament Final. Alexa Bliss versus Trish Stratus, and Lita versus Mickey James. So 
Two matches to still be announced. One opponent for Ronda Rousey. Possibly some more matches to be announced. There is a rumor there will be tag team titles also possibly defended at this event. Really looking forward to uh, WWE Evolution. I'm also looking forward to the uh, the the podcast after Evolution. Uh, we're going to be bringing on uh, Foodies Watching Movies host, Veronica Evans, the lovely Veronica Evans. And she's going to watch this pay-per-view with me, and we're going to see what she thinks of it. And... Uh, you know, lots of names still not on this card. You don't see Sasha Banks. I don't see uh, Naomi. I don't see, I mean, I don't see a lot of Asuka. I don't see, what's her name? She's not like most girls. Uh, Nia Jax, thank you. That was took me way the fuck longer. I don't see Ember Moon. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I feel like they, I don't see Natalia. Or Carmella, so they've got they've got a lot more to pack into this. I don't think they're close to done. I think we're really going to get the fast track Monday on Raw is going to be like WWE Evolution. We're fucking on our way, and then we're there, and it's going to be. I mean, a first the first ever all women's pay per view uh, happening, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait. We are going to get into. Let me just quickly say. Some Being the Elite news, uh, episode 19 just dropped, or episode 19, shit, episode 119 just dropped, my apologies, and it was kind of like the aftermath of uh, All In, and uh, everything kind of resetting, we had kind of a very open and honest wink and a nod right directly at the WWE that they seemingly offered Hangman Page a contract, but it was horseshit, and as they've said, the group of the Bullet Club that is current, um, Cody, Marty, the Bucks, Hangman Page, Kenny Omega, uh, Masa, Fat-Ass Masa. Shout out to you, Fat-Ass Masa. I don't know if you'll ever listen to this, bro, but maybe. Who knows? Um, but, uh, you know, those guys are going to do whatever they're going to do together. Their next step is together. And with that being said... Uh, the episode title for 119 was TikTok, and you kept hearing a clock throughout, and there was this, like, countdown that was shown that's got, like, two months and some odd hours and days, and essentially it amounts to uh, the new year. And the new year, as a lot of people know, is when all these dudes' contracts are up. So they're teasing already that their contracts are up, what's going to happen, where are they going to go, what are they going to do, and if I'm them... Be the hottest fucking thing in wrestling and keep doing it by yourselves. Sure, Vince might offer you a lot more money right now. Sure, he might offer you a lot, but he's going to water down your product. He's going to take away from all that merch money you're raking in week in and week out and day in and day out and every fucking second. So, to me, if it was, if it was me, just my thoughts. If I am the Bullet Club, I stay on my own path. I think you do your own thing. So I had told you guys previously, I was like, hey, by the way, at some point uh, I, I tweeted out to the to Matt from the Bullet Club, and he liked my tweet, and then like Lance Storm retweeted it, and shit, it got 150 likes. It's so cool, right? And likes don't quantify shit. It's just interesting to me how this all happened. So the, uh, Matt posted that countdown thing on his Twitter, and I just for fun 
posted the All in Two poster again, like the thing that I made. And it got like 300 fucking Twitter likes, which is far way the most I've ever. It was fucking mind boggling. I was like, wow. Twitter's kind of cool sometimes. Like, it can be really fucking cool. And uh, it's it's seemingly kind of nice. I, I mean, it would be great to uh, lend my artwork to the cast of Being the Elite. I would even go so far as to really, like, make it even better for them and tweak it to what they really, really want it if they want to go that route. Um, but ultimately, I'm just trying to hype everybody else because I, I, th- I feel it in my bones that they're going to do a second one for sure. Uh, let's move on. Now, I want to do something interesting called Today in Wrestling History. Now, I was on WrestlingInc.com. They've been writing articles since 2009. And I pulled up an article by Ryan Clark. You guys probably have heard of Ryan Clark. He's been around and written articles for lots of other things and different companies and whatnot and has had some heat in the wrestling world. Uh, but he wrote an article that released literally one year ago today, or two, uh, 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 sorry, seven years ago today. And I'm going to read this article real quick. And it is a TNA article that says, it's actually the shortest fucking article ever, Vince Russo replaced as TNA head booker. Vince Russo is no longer the head of the TNA creative team. Russo will remain on the creative team as a senior writer and will write shows along with Matt Conway. Bruce Pritchard, who is also the head of talent relations, will now head the creative team, mapping out the direction of the company. Uh, 2011 was a different, definitely different time for uh, professional wrestling and for TNA and Vince Russo seemingly everywhere he goes ultimately after the WWE he poisoned and it's crazy how that works Um, but anyways I thought that was interesting to pull up an old school thing that was just like uh, you guys remember like seven years ago we were talking about how Vince Russo was the head booker for TNA and then he was replaced that's crazy Uh, moving forward we're going to bring back something folks I'm really excited to do this Ever since I've been helming the show on my own, I've wanted to do this, and I've, ever since season three started, I wanted to do this, so I'm, I'm glad to finally bring it back. I don't know if we'll do it every single episode, maybe, maybe not, uh, but this week we are going to get into a new random highlight, 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 random highlight. Okay, so that was fucking dumb. Anyways, uh... Let's go ahead and generate a random number between 1 and 10. I have a list of 10 competitors. They are um, across different spectrums, whether there's a tag team on there, there's a female wrestler, there's an independent wrestler, there's a manager, there's a WCW legacy star, there's a guy who made it in two companies, there's a guy who was an indie guy who's now making it, there's a legend who has passed away, there's one of the greatest of all. I mean, there's it, it's a random highlight for a reason. It's not going to be so random here in a minute. One to ten. Let's three. I got my eyes closed. I don't even want to see it. Three, two, one. And I'm going to push this four times. And three is the number. And our first random highlight for season three, he was actually number three, is Janet, 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 Janet. Anyway, it's Mankind, folks, and I'm so stoked. Mick is awesome. He's one of my favorite professional wrestlers in history. I actually have the uh, Attitude Era title signed by Mankind, uh, Mick Foley himself. It says, have a nice day uh, to me, to Nate, 
and he also wrote in Sako. So Sako signed it. Now, I remember meeting Mick um, when that happened, and, you know, we talked a lot, and I was like, you know, can I get a picture of you holding the strap? I said that kind of facetiously because I was kind of a smartass or whatever. Asked him if he'd be on the podcast. He obviously didn't say yes because he's not that kind of guy. Um, but let's get into Mick's history. Mick started off, you know, he trained in the early days in the, in the 80s and the early 90s. He broke in, uh, in, in late 91 with WCW, had a small feud with Vader, leaves there, goes to NWA, uh, does the ECW route, Cactus Jack for a little bit. Uh, takes Cactus Jack over to Japan, loses the ear, uh, goes to WWE in 96. Uh, the kind of the birth of the three faces of Foley. First we get Mankind. At some point we get Dude Love. Then, of course, Jack gets brought back into the thing. Uh, one of the most iconic moments in wrestling history involving Mick Foley, winning the WWF title. Uh, essentially, Tony Schiavone spoils. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, you guys know the history, but... Uh, the, our competitors let Mick Mick Foley of all people win their world title. Jeez, you don't have to tune into that now. We've 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 saved you the grief. You can stay right here. As soon as they said that, millions of people went and tuned into the WWF because, oh my God, Mick is going to get the title. I have to see how it happens. Really, mankind? That's absurd. There's no way that could be real, right? He's not going to win. There's no fucking way. Yes, way. And uh, Mick had, a, you know, a several t- different tenures as the champ, uh, winning it, I mean, a couple times, I'm pretty sure. Uh, he also went on to be a hardcore champ. Mick became the commissioner. He left and did some independent stuff, and I think did a short run in ROH and, and maybe even TNA at some point. I don't, maybe that was after. It was, it was I think it was after. Um, of course, he did some work with various feuds with Randy Orton, which was great. Edge, which was great. Uh, got to bring back the Three Faces of Foley um, when he did a match against Carlito at Taboo Tuesday where fans voted for Mankind uh, to, to do the match. Uh, of course, he left the WWE in 2008 after being color commentator. Uh, which he did not like. I do remember he said it was just it didn't work out well. He was getting screamed at constantly by Vince and the thing, and it just wasn't his gig. So he went on to TNA for a year, and on April 19th, 2009, at lockdown, Mick Foley defeated Sting to win the TNA World Heavyweight Championship for his first ever title in TNA and his fourth world title win overall. He did not lose the championship but sting became the new leader of the main event mafia by pinning kurt angle at sacrifice and uh you know fully retains it at king of the mountain match at slammiversary and then he lost the title to kurt angle at king of the mountain at slammiversary and uh that's it and then he does you know various storylines in the WWE after that working with hulk working with um I mean, there's so many different people that he he worked with. He would go back to do his second run at WWE. And ultimately, he was supposed to at one point have a match with Dean Ambrose, but that got taken away. 
remember when Dean attacked him, like not really attacked him, just like verbally attacked him a long ass time ago when Dean wasn't even a, the real deal. I, I forgot all about that actually. Uh, and then of course in 2016, uh, Mick went on to be the general manager of Raw and has kind of sporadically shown up here and there. How can we forget classic Mick Foley matches like the Buried Alive match with Taker, Hell in a Cell with Undertaker, uh, the winning the tag team titles with The Rock, the Rock and Sock connection, uh, the bedpan moment with Austin and Vince. Mick Foley filled my life with so much joy as a professional wrestler. And it's crazy because even after meeting him, I don't think I could articulate uh, what I mean by that. And what I mean by that is he's just this Indiana boy. Had a fucking dream. And put it all out there. And got closer and closer to his dream. And then made a name for himself by being the craziest son bitch that ever lived. I mean, how many other wrestlers do you know that can get choke slammed through a hell in a cell and survive? He's the only one to do it. I don't know if anybody else should try. That's just my opinion, you know. Uh, but yeah, man, I love that we're. I love that we got to highlight Mick on our first random highlight back. You know, these aren't they don't have to be super long or whatever, but it's just good because uh, it's good to talk about a particular wrestler that we're not pl- like. I didn't plan this. I have ten names, and I'll actually go ahead and read down the rest of the names. I'll uh, make sure to scratch off number three, Mick Foley Mankind here. But we have uh, the Dudleys, The Miz, Roddy Piper, Samoa Joe, Lita, Kenny Omega, Paul Heyman, Y2J, and Sting. So, also, Mick Foley, Hall of Famer. Did I mention Hall of Famer? He went into the Hall of Fame in 2013, inducted by his long friend Terry, Fu- his longtime friend Terry Funk. Duh. I mean, Mick is the man, and he's had some amazing, amazing matches. But you know what's crazy? He's also done TV. He's also done movies. He's also a very, very esteemed author. How crazy is that? Um, I mean, two-time ECW tag champ with Mikey Whipwreck. Uh, TNA Legends champ one time. TNA World Heavyweight champ one time. WF champ three times. Hardcore champ one time. Tag team champ eight different times with Stone Cold Steve Austin, Chainsaw Charlie, twice with Kane, three times with The Rock, and one time with Al Snow. And as I said, a WWE Hall of Famer. He's uh, he's the bee's knees, man. And, uh, I, yeah, that's all I can say about Mick. Bang, bang! That's it, folks, for this week's episode of Journey Into Wrestling. As always, you guys can find Journey Into Wrestling at journeyintocomics.com on the Journey Into Comics Network. Every other Sunday, starting this week, we are on Sundays. You'll get us in the early day. Best of the week hitting you guys in the early afternoon here. So stick around on the network where you'll also be getting best of the week later today. Uh, also, check us out on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, and Spotify. You can also go to Patreon, give us a dollar, get early access and exclusive t- content, meaning as soon as this podcast is edited, it goes up to you, the listener. 
before anybody else gets it. For just a dollar a month, one dollar, you're helping us. Come on, man, it's one dollar. One dollar? You know, from Batman. So that's all I've got, folks. This has been Season 3, Episode 5 of Journey into Wrestling, the high and low spots of pro wrestling. I have been your host, Nate. Bang, bang! Have a nice day!